This is Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. Join us as Pastor Robert teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. things I want to talk about from the passage. Jesus had told them, one of the first things he did when he went with his disciples, if you remember right in the beginning of the book of Acts, he, he took them out near Bethany and, and he blessed them and, and he, just before he ascended to the Father, he told them, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. One of the first things Jesus told his disciples after raising himself from the dead was to wait on the Holy Spirit to empower them. Have you been empowered by the Holy Spirit? If you've been used by God to lead someone to Jesus, assuredly the answer is yes. If not, pray and ask God to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert with today's message. chapter 7. We, uh, we've been working our way through the book of Acts. If you've been with us, you know that. So look at it with me in verse 51 of chapter 7 as Stephen confronts them for their stubbornness and rebellion. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, referring to Jesus, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. So there's like 70 or 80 people that just pounce on him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. Now Saul was consenting to his death, which literally the Greek terminology there implies that there was some sort of formal vote, some sort of formal proceeding, and and Saul participated, which means he was a member of the Sanhedrin and um, was engaged in that and actually voted for the execution, the illegal execution of Stephen. 
They didn't have the right to do that. At that time a great persecution arose against the church which is at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, remember we had, he was another one of the deacons, another one of those servants. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, which is to the north of Jerusalem, and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now, give me your attention. A few things I want to talk about from the passage. Jesus had told them. One of the first things He did when He went with His disciples, if you remember right in the beginning of the book of Acts, He, he took them out near Bethany and, and He blessed them. And, and he, just before He ascended to the Father, He told them, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and empower you to be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of of the earth. And that happened. If you remember, the Holy Spirit came upon them the day of Pentecost. There was such a commotion. There was just so much noise and confusion that, that the, the crowds there in Jerusalem were wondering what was going on. And they thought, oh, it's just a bunch of people partying. It was a feast time and it must just be it's a bunch of people getting drunk. And Peter heard that and he said, no, 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 nobody's drunk. This is what the prophet Joel promised. God said through Joel that the Holy Spirit was going to be given, and, and that's what's taking place. That's what you see in here now is the fulfillment of that. And as he went on and confronted them for crucifying their Messiah, same thing Stephen had just done. As Peter did that, thousands of people accepted the Lord, and the church was born. And then over a period of a few years, because now we're about five, six years um, after that, here as we get to chapter 8, several years have passed from, from that you know, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now some say as many as 25,000 people had come to faith in the Messiah. There were thousands of people now part of this early church. And what they had been told in the beginning, you know, that they were going to go out into the surrounding area. Judea was the area around Jerusalem. Different analogy, you could say Dade County, you know, and or or the state of Florida, and then you know Samaria was actually a walled city. It was a region, but there was a a city, a walled city, to the north of Jerusalem, and they were they were Jewish, but in in reality, most of them were were like half Jewish and half Assyrian, and I'll talk about that more next week. There was enmity between the Jews and the Samaritans, but they were looking for Messiah. They were waiting for him, and so that's why that's why Philip went there, right? But you've got all these people. You've got thousands of people now in the church. The church was growing, but it was not yet going like He had told them to do. They were, they were content to stay where they were within their comfort zone. Now, they, they weren't comfortable. They were being persecuted. But they, you know, even within that, there's a comfort zone, isn't there? I mean, I've, you know, we, we've got our houses. We've got our, our jobs. We've got our, our routine and our circle. And, and even if we're experiencing some, some persecution, we're still somewhat comfortable within the context of the environment we've created for ourselves. Or you understand within which we live. And, and our, our problem is a lot of times we'll simply stay there unless God does something to goad us out of it, to nudge us out of it. I was listening to one teacher talking about this, and he said, you know, it, it'd be nice if we as Christians were also sensitive to the Holy Spirit 
that all the Lord needed to do would be to say to us, listen, I, I want you to move to Albuquerque. And, and our response would be, oh, wow, Lord, yeah, okay, cool. And so we start looking for a job in Albuquerque. Does that happen to anybody? Very few people. Very few people. When I came here, I heard the Lord clearly. No question about it. I had clarity. I had confirmation from the Lord that it was time for me to move. But I didn't know where. I didn't know where. And one of the things that the Lord actually used in that process was discomfort. I know this is not what you want me doing forever. Don't know what you do want me doing, but I know this is not it. And there's that, you know, kind of a disturbing of the nest, if you will, a rustling of our comfort zone, a removal of our comfort zone. You know, you lose your job. Or you, you go from having, the, uh, you love your job, everything's great, everything's wonderful, you know, and, and then you get a new boss and everything changes. And, and when that's happening in your life, it's time to just start asking questions. That's not automatically an indication he wants to move you, but it, you need to talk to him. You need to engage with Him. There needs to be just, you know, in your relationship with the Lord, just ask Him, just, you know, talk to Him. What's going on? God, what are you doing? What's the deal? You know, do you want me to, to stay here and put up with this and be a witness? And I mean, is this like, you know, you promised me that we were going to have persecution. You do realize that's a promise, right? Persecution. It's, it's not one of those that we name and claim at breakfast in the morning, but it is, it is a promise that He gives us that that uh, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's interesting that the great persecutor of the church, who later became the apostle of grace, the apostle Paul, is the one who wrote that to Timothy. If you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. And what does that mean? You know, I, I was thinking about the, just the whole concept of living godly. What does that mean? What, what, what comes to your mind? For some people, the image is, is that of, of an elderly woman with no makeup, no jewelry, a long dress, you know, just really plain and an extremely boring life in which you, you never do anything fun. I remember growing up, that was kind of my perception of, of holiness because of just some of the religious cultures. Living a godly life meant living a boring, uneventful, isolated, plain Jane kind of existence. But that's not biblical. That's not what the Bible means by it. When the Bible talks about living godly, it's talking about seeking to be like Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited. God has been doing some amazing things with Main Thing Radio. Opportunities to air Main Thing Radio are popping up all over the United States. We are so thankful to God for what He is doing, and we would love to see Main Thing Radio continue to expand, sharing the gospel, teaching God's Word all over the world. But of course, bringing you Main Thing Radio on this station comes at a cost. We purchase time on this radio station, and this program has been professionally produced. While we certainly don't want to pressure anyone into giving, we would like to ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Main Thing Radio. Your support will open more doors for Main Thing Radio. To make a secure donation, please log on to MainThingRadio.com and click on the Donate button. Now here's Tracy with some information about the Main Thing Radio podcast.
Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God. Subscribe to the Main Thing Radio podcast to enjoy messages like you heard today, anytime, anywhere. Simply log on to MainThingRadio.com and click on the podcast button. Thanks, Tracy. Join us next time for another edition of Main Thing Radio.